Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.07 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 8th day of May 2023. This is episode 721 of Bitcoin and in the morning. Going to try to be nice, bright, and sunny today because everybody has absolutely lost their minds about mempools. Oh, it's, yes, it's a mess out there. It totally is a mess. But uh, let not your heart be troubled because guess what? We knew it was going to happen. It just, nobody knew, we knew that it was going to, that's, that's what I'm saying. We knew that it was going to happen. Four megabyte blocks, going to be full. Two megabyte blocks are going to be full. One megabyte block, it doesn't matter. The blocks are going to be full. We just didn't know when. And every time the blocks get full, people lose their ever-loving mind. It's okay. The system's designed for it. It's going to be fine. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about other aspects of clown shows, Craig Wright included, because there's one in there that I really want to get to, and that's actually coming coming quick. Uh, what else we got? We got a, uh, ooh, WorldCoin is back. <laughs> WorldCoin is back. Oh, God, that's going to be a lot of fun. What else we got? We got a orange pilling secrets from an ad copywriter. I need to read, I definitely need to read this one because maybe they've got some you know, uh, marketing tips and whatnot like that. And we got all we, I got a whole slew. It's a sled full of presents and I'm St. Nicholas. Let's get started with this one. Bitcoin is the lifeline Argentina desperately needs. It certainly does. Bitcoin magazine and Jonathan Buck is going to line us out all over this one. Argentina is currently in the midst of a crippling inflation crisis with the national currency, the Argentine peso or ARS, losing value at an alarming rate. Just one year ago, the exchange rate from the U.S. dollar to the ARS was 115.75. And at the time of this writing, it stands at 224.52. Holy crap. (laughs) Reports indicate that on the black market, people are paying more than double this rate. The country's annual inflation rate has skyrocketed to a staggering 104%, presenting significant challenges to both its economy and citizens. In response, the country's central bank has raised interest rates, yay, to an astounding 81%. Get a mortgage in Argentina today. See how that's going to work out for you. As the peso's value continues to nosedive, Argentinians urgently need a reliable store of value to safeguard their wealth. Enter Bitcoin, often referred to as digital gold, a trustless decentralized system with a cap supply of 21 million coins. This scarcity ensures that Bitcoin's value remains less susceptible to inflationary erosion. And as such, by adopting Bitcoin, 
Argentinians can shield their assets from the rapidly depreciating peso and maintain their purchasing power. A significant portion of Argentina's population is unbanked, estimated at 51% in 2021, or underbanked, often due to strict requirements from financial institutions, high fees, or insufficient access to traditional banking services. But the decentralized nature of Bitcoin allows for easier access to financial services regardless of one's socioeconomic background. Embracing Bitcoin could enable financial inclusion for Argentina's citizens, empowering them to participate in the global economy. This, in turn, could potentially drive economic growth and reduce wealth inequality. Argentina's reliance on foreign currencies, like the dollar, has contributed to its precarious economic situation. Bitcoin can provide a more stable alternative to the peso and decrease the country's dependency on foreign currencies. As a global currency, Bitcoin is less vulnerable to local economic fluctuations and can help insulate Argentina from external shocks. Additionally, Bitcoin's decentralized nature prevents manipulation by central banks or governments, ensuring a more transparent and stable financial system. In conclusion, Bitcoin offers a much-needed lifeline to Argentina as it battles its inflation crisis by embracing this digital currency. This one, guys. This digital currency, Bitcoin. The country can secure a more stable financial future for its citizens, promote financial inclusion, and reduce its reliance on foreign currencies. As Argentina seeks a solution to its economic problems, Bitcoin may very well be the key to overcoming its challenges. Argentina is facing a severe inflation crisis with the Argentine peso rapidly losing value. Bitcoin could provide a solution by acting as a stable store of value, promoting financial inclusion and reducing reliance on foreign currencies. Yeah, that's all great, Jonathan Buck. We all, we, we get that. We understand that. What I don't think people understand is just how dire the situation is in Argentina because we can talk about, oh, it's the exchange rate for, you know, you would pay 115.75 ARS to get $1 at the time of the riot. You know, that was like just a year ago and now it's, you're going to pay 224. None, that doesn't really mean anything to the the regular Joe on the street walking around because I don't know what a jug of milk costs in Argentina. Like uh, even on a dollar for dollar value, is it is it four US dollars for a like a gallon of milk in Argentina? Is it $8? Is it 18? I don't know. So those numbers don't really help me. And honestly, even the inflation rate skyrocketing to 104%. Do you really think that that is exactly how you're going to understand what's going on on the street in Argentina? No, none of us can. Not unless we live in Argentina. Even if we just visited Argentina, I don't think we would truly know exactly how dire this is. But one of the other problems about this piece is that now the Argentine president, or whatever, is they're making an argument for a Latin American common currency, and it ain't Bitcoin. They're doing the same thing that they're that they always do. We've got here's here's this solution, but the problem with this solution, this being Bitcoin, is that we have literally no control over it. And for some reason, we're so addicted to control that we think that the withdrawal syndrome of releasing control of money, 
when it comes to the Argentine people and the rest of Latin America would be so dire that we'd end up in the hospital on multiple IVs and God only knows what else, and then possibly die. And honestly, if that's the position of fear that these people always come from. And when they're coming from a position of fear, all of the policy structure will be fear-based. And that's ne- that cannot be good for people. It just can't. You introduce negativity into any, any stream of consciousness or, or human endeavor, and it's just how would anything positive come out of it? When you come from a place of fear, you inject your fear. And if you successfully inject your fear, whatever you inject it with withers and dies. I don't expect the Argentine people to be able to, you know, fundamentally in, interact with the big, with Bitcoin as a system, as a payment rail, as anything else for, for a while. I hope it's sooner than I think. I really do. But God, you know, it's these people that keep coming out of the woodwork like they're like termites, like this guy. Craig Wright shows prima facie evidence of contemptuous conduct, according to a U.S. judge. <laughs> you think? How long did it take for a judge to finally comment on the activities of this dude? Coindesk, Jack Schickler, tell us more. Craig Wright, who is claimed to be the founder of Bitcoin, has shown quote, prima facie evidence, end quote, of contemptuous conduct in court proceedings for failing to correctly provide information linked to $143 million in disputed cryptocurrency, a United States judge said in a ruling published last Friday. Magistrate Judge Bruce Reinhardt, yes, he is just all over this thing, issued the ruling as a case As the case grinds on between Wright, who claims to be Satoshi Nakamoto, the pseudonymous author of the 2008 Bitcoin white paper, and Ira Kleeman, who claimed rights to crypto he said was mined by his late brother, David. In 2022, a judge found in favor of Kleeman and linked company W&K, but W&K says Wright never fully provided the personal information needed to enforce the payment and has asked the court to conduct contempt of court proceedings and impose fines of $250,000 per day. Wow. Quote, on the present record, this is prima facie evidence of contemptuous conduct, Reinhardt said in a response to that request saying Wright had, quote, refused to provide basic information about his spouse and her assets on the form. Wright claims that the form should be kept for attorneys' eyes only to avoid revealing sensitive personal data, quote, is factually false. The designation was improper from the beginning, Reinhardt said. The form, now unsealed by Reinhardt, gives Satoshi Nakamoto as Wright's nickname or alias and states that his assets have been transferred or assigned to others. Not sure what that actually means, but whatever. Wright and his attorneys have until May the 18th to show why they should not face a sanction for seeking to keep information confidential under legal provisions designed to stop unreasonable or vexatious inflation of court costs. A further hearing on July the 6th in Palm Beach, Florida will consider the facts linked to the alleged noncompliance. Wright, who has argued the information he provided on the form was accurate, but that he is unable or legally restricted from providing some of the data requested, will be given a further opportunity to make that case, Reinhardt said. 
In April, a judge at the High Court of England ruled it wasn't in the public interest to continue to pursue contempt of court proceedings against Wright, even if there was, at first sight, evidence that he had revealed details of a judgment before it was supposed to be published. Oh, my God. In December, Wright was granted permission to appeal a Norwegian court's finding that social media user, I'm not going to give his name, also known as Hoddle and Not, had been entitled to post tweets in 2019 calling Wright a fraud and a scammer for his claim to be Satoshi. Okay, so he's not paying out is what this really boils down to. He's, he's just not doing what he needs to do. Did you expect him to do anything else? Did you expect him to actually actually pay? No. So, you know, now now it's contempt of court. Uh, I'm, I'm glad W W and K is seeking to push back on their end uh, instead of just, you know, going off into the woodwork. Uh, just, simply just just to put pressure, just to, 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 you know, sock in their rights legal team and force them to actually, you know, do things and reach for stuff. But yeah, it looks like he's not paying out. They want him to pay out. But as you know, or as we all suspect, Craig Wright doesn't really have any money at all. It's all fake. It's rented Lamborghinis and bright red socks and slinging a samurai sword at an expensive bar. I mean, that's that's what this guy is. So, you know, just, uh, it's it's always it's always a clown show with this dude. Okay, moving on. Bitcoin takes flight in Liechtenstein. A minister proposes government services be paid in crypto. Coin Telegraph Joe Hall. Liechtenstein. I love this name. Liechtenstein. Prime Minister Daniel Riesch announced plans to accept Bitcoin as payments for government services. As reported in local news, the micro-European nation continues to embrace blockchain technologies. I wish they'd stop doing that. Reich, who also serves as finance minister, is quoted as saying, quote, a payment option with Bitcoin is coming, end quote. However, he didn't give a time frame. Moreover, the principality is unlikely to accept Bitcoin and HODL, the Satoshis it receives. Instead, it will accept deposits in Bitcoin and immediately exchange them for Swiss francs, the national currency. The direct exchange into fiat money sidesteps the currency's volatility. Despite not being a European Union member, Liechtenstein is part of the European economic area where the EU's markets in crypto assets regulation, otherwise known as MICA, could apply. This regulatory clarity could attract more crypto firms to the region. Similar to Gibraltar and the Isle of Man, Liechtenstein is a small but thriving cryptocurrency hub in Europe. The Liechtenstein Blockchain Act, which passed in 2019, provides clear crypto regulation with several crypto-focused business set it, setting up operations in the country since. The nation follows a similar course to the nearby Swiss communities of Zug and Lugano, which also accept Bitcoin for some taxes and public services with retailers, including the likes of McDonald's, also accepting BTC. Nonetheless, the sixth smallest nation in the world is cautious in its approach to investing in Bitcoin or crypto. Reich expressed that Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are currently too risky for the country's multi-billion dollar treasury, but the verdict may change in the future. This move by Liechtenstein coincides with the growing trend 
of smaller nations embracing cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology. So there you go. Liechtenstein is now on deck. I love it. I do, because I really like saying the name Liechtenstein. I don't know. I got to go visit that place. I hear it's beautiful. Now, orange pilling secrets from an ad copywriter. So copyright, what is, what is that? It's not in, in this, when you talk about ad copyright, you're not talking about like the trademark or the, you know, the C with a circle around it. That's, that's not that. This is an ad person advertising. It's a person who writes copy for the ad. So whenever you see like an advertisement on like, I don't know, a, a billboard or something, whatever the words are in that advertisement, that's the copywriting. Okay, so just just trying to line that out for you. Anyway, Bitcoin Magazine written by SV, and I don't know who that is, but I'm pretty sure I probably should know. After getting seriously into Bitcoin a while back, I decided to approach the subject of orange billing, which basically means to sell newbies on Bitcoin, as I would any given copywriting gig. The first thing a professional ad copywriter will identify is the prospect's main conscious and unconscious objections and fears. In other words, whatever is most likely standing in the way of this person being converted. Let's therefore start with the main orange pilling obstacles before a solution is presented. Why selling something as great as Bitcoin is so hard? The challenge of orange pilling newbies boils down to three things, and all three mutually reinforce each other to make it even harder. First, fiat paradigm blindness mixed with fear, uncertainty, and doubt. When I prompted it, OpenAI defined paradigm blindness as the inability to recognize or fully understand the assumptions and frameworks that shape one's beliefs, values, and actions. Bitcoin is a paradigm-breaking innovation, and it's therefore hard to truly grasp its value without breaking out of the comfort zone of the indoctrinated fiat paradigm. A lot of FUD is generated by this fear of the unknown, in addition to the fear of losing money. Number two, the skeptic power position compensation resistance to being lectured. Yeah, that's, it, 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 no one wants to be lectured on, you know, or two rather. Nobody likes being in the submissive position of being lectured, and few are humble enough to admit that they don't know something. Any orange pilling attempt thus creates an equal and opposite force of resistance in them, and this is especially true if you try to convince them in person. Remaining skeptical gives them the perceived power position and upper hand, which is why people love to proclaim how skeptical they are. This actually really, this is very interesting. Number three, the blind man or the blind men and the elephant dilemma. If you try to capture the full elephant of Bitcoin in your orange pilling attempt, you will most likely come across as the guy in the meme below. And they show a picture of Charlie Day. It, it's, in, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Try, you know, with all the papers on the wall and the strings and stuff, you know, going from, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. As all salespeople know, logic and arguments are there to retrospectively rationalize decisions or reinforce ingrained positions. A true change of mind is always a paradigm shift, small or big, and leaving the comfort zone of the old ingrained paradigm is always a leap of faith. 
logic alone is seldom a strong enough catalyst and motivator for that to happen. This is why the purely educational approach seldom is enough to break a newbie's self-reinforcing fiat paradigm blindness or FUD loop. In addition, the educational approach takes too long and it's too boring, technical, for the instant gratification fiat mindset. What's needed is another semi-conscious force that's equally powerful to FUD, namely fear of missing out or FOMO. If the level of FOMO eclipses the and exceeds the level of FUD, people will convert, simple as that. Making Bitcoin irresistible to the fiat-minded no-corner. No coiner, eh, no corner, no coiner. This was always the first question I would ask myself when starting a new sales page copywriting gig. Quote, how do I present this offer in a way that's absolutely mouth-wateringly irresistible to the target audience, end quote. <clears throat> the example below clearly illustrates the difference between feature-oriented education and sexy benefit-oriented persuasion. So, Got a pit. There's a diagram here, and it shows a. It shows essentially like a, a picture of an iPod. There's one on the left, and there's one on the right, and the one on the left shows the picture of the iPod, and above it it says storage for one gigabyte of MP3s. And then the one on the right hand side is the same picture of the iPod, but it says a thousand songs in your pocket. Do you see the massive difference in perceived value? Boring, educational, feature-focused is a classic rookie mistake in the world of ad copywriting, and it's an epidemic in the world of orange pilling. It's easy to believe that people need to understand Bitcoin before they would invest their hard-earned fiat into it. The truth is, however, that Mr. Normie no-coiner is less likely to invest the more you try to make him understand Bitcoin. It's hard to sell people on Bitcoin when you focus on the features. Paradoxically, Bitcoin sells itself to anyone who does understand it. And the reason why is simple. Bitcoin is the best deal in town. It's an absolutely 100% irresistible offer. This is why every Bitcoiner is doing everything they can to get their hands on as much Bitcoin as humanly possible. The key takeaway, takeaway here is the irresistible offer part. There is a massive difference between trying to educate normies about Bitcoin and in presenting Bitcoin as the irresistible offer that it is. With that in mind, let's forget about peer-to-peer, -peer, permissionless, and decentralized for a moment. Let's instead dive into Bitcoin, the irresistible offer. Normies do not need to be confused by the technical monster that is Bitcoin. Repeat that sentence a few times for yourself and sense the sigh of relief that it gives you. Nor do they need to understand the history of money, what sound money is, or why proof of work is such a damn big deal. Mr. Normie No-Coiner only needs one single thing to click in his mind to be orange-pilled on the spot, and that is to see a deal that's irresistible. In essence, what will push Mr. Normie No-Coiner to take the leap of faith into Bitcoin boils down to three things. One, a clear vision of the deal that a Bitcoin investment represents, not what Bitcoin is or even what it does. Number two, a justified sense of urgency and FOMO. Number three, 
a clear understanding of why the deal is so irresistibly good and why holding zero Bitcoin is a far bigger risk than getting off of zero. Without further ado, here is my ultra simple orange pilling formula. It opens with the following question, quote, so what do you think will happen to the price of Bitcoin once a critical mass realizes that Bitcoin mining not only solves global warming, but also the global energy crisis? End quote. This flies right in the face of what they've most likely been programmed by the media to believe, so it will definitely get their attention and make them curious. Then I follow up by reminding them that Bitcoin has absolute scarcity and that most of the supply is already in the hands of long-term hodlers who already understand where this is going. You will most likely get a tons of resistance when making the above claim about Bitcoin mining, which is good. It clears the space for you to present irrefutable proof elements to back it up. You must have these proof elements ready and up front, of course, and it's a good idea to store them, you know, on your phone. You will find plenty of ammo in the orange pilling rabbit hole that I've created over at Bitcoin Maxi News. And that is Bitcoin Maxi News, all one word, dot com. That's Bitcoin Maxi News dot com. Once they see the proof elements of how Bitcoin mining is already being used to mitigate methane emissions, which is far worse than CO2 when it comes to, quote, the greenhouse effect, and how it balances the grid and incentivizes the build out of renewable energy, well, at the very least, you've given them something to think about. You can then repeat the initial question and remind them that this early bird opportunity will not last forever. This starts a ticking FOMO clock in their mind as nobody wants to miss out on a great deal. Explain that they don't have to go all in and that owning as little as 0.2 or 0.5 BTC can turn into generational wealth for their family when all this goes mainstream. Close by saying that owning zero BTC is the biggest financial risk they can take and that knowing these things is akin to having fully legal insider knowledge that 98% of the population doesn't know about yet. With this approach, you avoid all technical, confusing, and boring stuff, and you present Bitcoin as the sexy and irresistible offer that it is all within a few minutes' time. So there you go. <clears throat> Guest post by SV. The only thing that I have to say about this that could be considered negative is that this is the old school school way of getting people to buy anything. And I, I, I guess I really shouldn't, it's not that I'm surprised and I'm, I'm not, I'm not surprised at all, but this deserves, this deserves a little bit of a treatment here. Is this ethical? Because we're, we're manipulating human psychology when we, when we, not just this, when we try to figure out a way to bypass some of the internal safety precautions that the human mind has to keep itself safe, is that ethical? Most advertising does that. The whole teams of PhD level psychologists and functional MRI studies and, you know, God only knows how many, what do they call them, uh, focus groups have been done and so much data has been collected there's people that really know how to bypass your internal security mechanisms 
They know how to do it. It's bombarded on us all day. And look at the society that we have to show for it. Is it all the fault of advertising that it's a clown show? No, but it certainly, in my opinion, feeds into it in a very large part, right? Did you know that drug advertising on television is only allowed in two countries in the world, United States and New Zealand? The United States, that, that wasn't legal until like 1990. You could not show any drug commercial at all on television and I think even in print until the 1990s. And I'm pretty sure it was very early 1990s, like 91 or 92. I can't really remember, but it wasn't always that way. And now what? Pfizer is what? the largest advertiser of most of your mainstream media news outlet organizations when it comes to television, right? So this, this Bitcoin magazine piece kind of uses the same elements of how do we navigate around the security measures of the human mind to implant what I want to have implanted in their brain. The fact that what we're trying to implant is good for the hu- or or good for the target organism doesn't doesn't circumvent the question of is it ethical is it moral and I of course you're screaming at me going well dumbass if we don't tell anybody anything ever then how are they going to know I get that I understand that. That I'm not saying that we don't do it. I'm saying that at least spend some time understanding what it is this piece is is doing. That's the 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 only ethical way to play this game, according to SV, the writer of this piece, Orange Pilling Secrets from an Ad Copywriter, is to give some of your mental power over to thinking about what it is you're doing. And then ask yourself this question. Do you really understand macroeconomics, Bitcoin, the clown show, everything about it, to be able to put yourself in a position to enact these steps and try to functionally orange pill somebody that has security mechanisms in place to guard themselves from harm? I, you know, if I get pushback for this, I, I'm, I'm fine with that. I don't mind, but these questions must be asked. Every time we use the weaponry of the enemy to do good, we have, we are duty bound to ask these questions and not just go whole hog into orange pilling everybody now that we've got a way in. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's our responsibility to take care of ourselves as well as each other. So be very careful when you come across things like this and say, you know, instead of saying, oh, shit, this dude's got the, he's got the key to the lock. Do you want to unlock that door? And what, what responsibilities do you have later on? And that's the, the even like just as large of a question as whether or not you want to unlock this son of a bitch at all. Because you will have a responsibility to those minds that you unlock. Whether you like it or not, we're all, in a way, we're all connected with each other. Even if we don't know each other, 
because the whole damn planet is an ecosystem. I, you know, I, you know, I'm not going to run out and hug a tree and grow my freak flag out and be the, you know, the, the hippie forest dweller that I kind of actually every once in a while want to be. No, no, that's not it. I'm just telling you the fact. And the fact is that whether you're an eagle or a human, a whale or a human, a cow or a human, a blade of grass or a human, you're part of this planet. And we're all connected. We're all connected to the cows and the cows are connected to the whales and the whales are connected to the grass and the water connects everything and we're all connected. But we need to start acting like we are actually all connected rather than this notion that humans are wholly different. Like we are a technology that has been put upon the planet to wander around and do stuff. No. No, we're part of Earth. So act like it and be careful when you get a hold of stuff like this. I applaud SV for putting this down on paper, but it doesn't mean that I'm not going to pull this thing apart and make deadly sure that I'm not going to screw this up. Okay, just I'm just saying because you get people like this, this douchebag. Human ID Project WorldCoin launches gas-free wallet only for humans. Yeah, Tom Blackstone and Cointelegraph. Oh joy, WorldCoin, a project to identify humans and distinguish them from artificial intelligence, has launched a gas-free crypto wallet for verified humans. According to a May 8th announcement, the new wallet called WorldApp works on Android and OS operating system. It currently runs on the Polygon network, allowing users to hold and transfer United States dollar coin, otherwise known as USDC, DAI, Ether, WorldCoin, and wrapped Bitcoin. No, not Bitcoin, no, but wrapped Bitcoin because these guys are shitcoiners. WorldApp uses the project's World ID system to discriminate between humans and bots. Users who want to take advantage of gas-free transfers must first register for a world ID by supplying a phone number or an iris scan. Developers say the project doesn't store users' data. Instead, it generates a zero-knowledge proof to verify the user is human, but without revealing the data used to generate said proof. Even users who don't have a world ID can still use the app. Don't. Just don't. Stay as far away from this thing as you can. But they can't take advantage of the fee-less transactions. The announcement said the app relies on account abstraction to allow for third-party gas payments. The project has partnered with regulated crypto exchanges, including, oh God, MoonPay, really? Fuck. Including MoonPay and Ramp to offer onboarding and offboarding within the wallet. Once coins are held in the wallet, they can be swapped through built-in Uniswap integration. Users can also connect their phone numbers to the app to send and receive crypto through phone contacts. In a conversation with Cointelegraph, WorldCoin core team leader Tiago Sada stated that the wallet was created to offer a simple option for inexperienced crypto users. Oh joy, quote, when we first started, we actually just went out with normal wallets. The wallet a power user like me would use day to day. And in turn, those were too overwhelming for normies. 
There were too many options, too many things to do. It was not super clear, he said. Quote, we're launching WorldApp as a product so that there is this alternative wallet that is focused just on simplicity, end quote. Oh my God. WorldCoin was co-founded by Sam Altman, who also co-founded ChatGPT, developer OpenAI. A lot of people miss that. WorldCoin, okay? And if you don't know the history of WorldCoin, a lot of the this this stuff about this gas-free crypto wallet for verified humans and uh, WorldApp uses the projects to discriminate between humans and bots, that was never on the plate when WorldCoin first came out in what, 2018? I can't remember exactly when, but they would give a silver orb to somebody Specifically, they were really focusing and probably still are on Africa. And they would go out. Oh, and Indonesia, I think, was was also targeted as well. But they would go out with this silver-orange orb. Read that as like, it's about the size of, I think, a small, like a soccer ball or smaller than, slightly smaller, but, you know, not much. <clears throat> and you would, they would register people for WorldCoin by having them look at, a lens in the orb and it would take an iris scan and they say they delete the biometric data and 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 replace it with zero knowledge proof prove it prove it how are you going to prove that you deleted the data how are you going to prove to me that that data wasn't immediately copied and sent down a second line to somewhere else for storage so that you can say, well, see, look, I'm hitting the delete button. Yeah. How do I know you don't have a copy of it that was made instantly at the time that you took your silver little silver ball and took it around to all these poor people in freaking India and Indonesia and stuff and have their biometric data scanned? Sam Altman is the guy behind ChatGPT. Sam Altman is the guy behind WorldCoin. He doesn't care about your financial sovereignty or stability or even future. He wants your biometry. That's what he wants. He doesn't give a shit about anything else. I honestly think he doesn't really care about ChatGPT. What does he want? He wants your prompts. Why? Because that's part of your biometry. If you don't see how these connections are working, I highly recommend that you start either, that you either just trust me, and that's always bad, you know, never trust, you verify, or you verify, and you go do some reading up on biometry, biometrics. The problem is, is that I can't give you a title of a book that suggests why I'm connecting the prompts you're writing as a human into ChatGPT or MidJourney or whatever else, those prompts are fingerprints. You don't know it, but the way you talk, the way you write, down at the very core, nobody writes like you. Nobody's going to build a prompt like you. Do you kind of get where I'm going? I don't need an iris scan. For your identity, ladies and gentlemen, I need you to be sucked into ChatGPT so you sit all day writing interesting prompts. 
that are then linked back to your IP address and then basically categorized. Do I know all this for a fact? No, but if I was Sam Altman, this is exactly what I'd be doing. Exactly what I would be doing. Man, these guys are scary. Don't put anything past them. Do not trust them. Do not look at the orb. Don't get the WorldCoin wallet. I don't know what else to tell you. Stay as far away from Sam Altman and WorldCoin as you possibly can. Let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. I got West Texas Intermediate up. 2.82% back to $73.36. Brent North Sea likewise up 2.5 points to $77.20. Natural gas swinging for the fences, 4.12% to the upside, $2.22 per thousand. And gasoline is up a whopping 3.62%, $2.46 a gallon. Uh, metals are doing well, except for silver. Gold is up a third of a point to $2,032.10. Silver is down a third to $2,584. Platinum is up 1.65. Copper up 1.03%. And palladium also swinging for the fences, 4.76% to the upside. Agricultural stuff is mostly red. We got the biggest loser today being cotton. Note, coffee, 1.97% to the downside, followed sharply by sugar, 0.95% to the downside. Biggest winner today is chocolate or cocoa, 0.92% to the upside, almost a full point. I got live cattle up a fifth of a point. Lean hogs are unchanged, unchanged, unchained hogs. I got I to gotta get a hold of Parker Lewis. I got an ad idea for that. Uh, it, feeder cattle is up a half a point. Dow is down a quarter of a point. S&P is sliding sideways, 0.02% to the upside. NASDAQ up a eh, fifth of a point, And the S&P mini is down almost a half. Why? Because everybody's waiting for inflation data. So everything is just kind of moving sideways, except for energy. See, that's the thing I'm starting to learn about reading these market reports every single day to you is I'm starting to see patterns and pattern recognition is the most important thing that you can ever develop as a human being. Please do it. Let's talk about real money, which is having its depression, depressing day as well. Uh, $27,866.13 after 340, no, 353.8,000 BTC have been sitting in the last 24 hours. 0.52 BTC is the average transaction value. And I'm not even going to tell you what the median transaction value is because it's like 15 cents. I call BS. I don't know what's going on with BitInfo charts when it comes to the median transaction value, but I'm pretty sure that that ain't right. Nine minutes and 10 seconds, however, is the block time. I'll trust them on that one. Uh, <laughs> and I'll, I'm going to trust them on this one too. Check this out. Okay. Fees. Listen up, guys. On a per block basis. So every 10 minutes a block, well, roughly every 10 minutes a block goes by and there's fees associated with it. Over the last few, you know, time, you know, shows or whatever, it's like 0.3, you know, those, and those are high. And before a couple of weeks ago, I was, you know, fees were 0.1. 
you know, and that was a good day for a single, you know, fees of a single block, you know, 0.1 BTC, a 10th of a BTC in fees on a per block basis today. It's 4.6 BTC on a per block basis. Oh my God. Check this one out. In the last 24 hours, 707.3 BTC has been charged in fees. Let me say that again. 707.33 BTC just in fees alone. The subsidiary or... God, what am I? Subsidiary? Subsidy? Subsidy. Thank you. Subsidy over that same period is 950 Bitcoin. So however many blocks, you know, like is 950 divided by 6.25, do the math. That's how many blocks came through in the last 24 hours. So 950 BTC of subsidy was given to the miners for mining those blocks. 707 BTC has been added on top of that. So yesterday, the revenue for mining total in the world is $46.2 million. I think that I think the miners are going to show a hell of a profit spike when they release their quarterly or their second quarter earnings, right? Nobody, like only, only us know about it. I put this out on Nostra earlier today. I was basically saying, um, we know because of what we look at, and if you're listening to this show, you don't even have to be looking at it because I'm telling you that these miners are pulling down mega amount. I mean, this is the kind of cash they haven't seen like in forever, right? So, and if this fee environment stays stable for a while, and he, honestly, maybe just even for a couple more weeks, and let's say it died down, I guarantee you that the mining companies, when they release their Q2 earnings report, are going to see phenomenal gains. The normies on Wall Street and like the peoples that are doing TD Ameritrade and Robinhood, that's when they're going to figure out what's happening right now. Right now. We know right now what's going to happen. So I posited the possibility of buying stock in the mining companies because their stock prices have been relatively depressed. Now, don't take this as investment advice. I'm not saying to go do this. And I'm not going to take responsibility if you do. You do this shit at your own risk. But I think that if you still wanted to play in the fiat clown world, that what you do is you take fiat cash and you go buy mining stocks and you wait until the second quarter earning reports come out for the mining companies. And then you'll watch Normieville flood in because it's like, oh my God, Jim Cramer, look at the, they can't possibly go south at this point. And that's exactly when you sell and you take the cash that you built off, made off of it, and you go and you do what? You buy Bitcoin and you hold Bitcoin. I'm not saying to go do this. I do not have a crystal ball. I do not know 100% that this will occur, but I think it's actually the kind of bet that I would make, except what does this mean? It means ethically I'm playing in the fiat clown world and I don't want to play in the fiat clown world. It's just, it's a thought experiment for me. I want it to be a thought experiment for you. If you go and do this shit and you lose your shirt, you don't come bitching to me because I warned you, I don't know if this in fact will happen. It just seems like a good bet.
Just saying. We have a $538.6 billion market capitalization, which is now back under 4% of gold's entire market cap to 3.96. And you can only purchase 13.7 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,367,380.71 of, and 5,388.5 and of those are in the Lightning Network valued at just a hair under $150 million. We have 73,252 payment channels that we know about, and 65.5% of everything on Lightning is running over Tor. Uh, looks like there is a negative 5.3% estimated difficulty change to occur on May the 18th. I wouldn't bet on that. I think I'm starting to see hash rate come online. I've been over mempool, uh, insights.brains.com, I think, brains with two eyes been trying to figure out why it is that we're not seeing the 420 exahashes, the 430 exahashes that we saw. We saw that. So I know the machines exist. Why haven't they all been turned back on in this fee environment? That's a question. However, hash rate is coming on back online. It's just not coming back online at a pace that I really thought that it would, considering that those machines exist. And some of them are actually still turned off. Why the hell are you turning them off in this fee environment? Dude, you just got, we've got, what? Uh, two, over 206 blocks carrying almost half a million unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear. And you're not turning on your miners? Are you high? What the hell's wrong with you? Because check out these fees. Dude, a no priority, just none, no priority. This is the lowest fee that you could possibly give is 94 Satoshis per V-byte. Ladies and gentlemen, that's $3.67 for that. How, how big is a transaction? How many V-bytes per a standard transaction? Figure that out, do the math. That's how much it's gonna cost you. And that's almost no guarantee you're getting into any block ever. If you want a low priority, Oh, we'll just pay 415 Satoshis per V-byte. That's $16.20. You want a high priority? You want next block priority? Try 546 Satoshis per V-byte. That's $21.32. And everything in mempools that are, are, are default mempools in the system, everything below 46.7 Satoshis per V-byte are being purged. Purged. 46.7 Satoshis per V-byte transactions are being completely deleted out of mempools across the world because it just, it just doesn't have enough oomph to stay in the mempool. Man, this is a fee environment. This is the fee environment that I remember seeing in 2016, 2017 that prompted Roger Ver to lose his ever-loving mind and start BCH. And of course he lost his ass on that deal because only Bitcoin matters, but it is what it is. Now, I got, I got boostograms, I do. And if I had been smart enough to have them already here, I wouldn't have had to take that pause. Bees Nerds with 10,000 Satoshi says, another Mother's Day basket sold on Noster. Uh, user 1517 said he heard about it on the show. Here is the 5% after episode 721, which is this episode, okay? 
after episode 721, it's probably too late for Mother's Day shipping. It's probably too late for Mother's Day shipping after this show. But they can PM me directly on Nostra for my syrup prices and my sister's soap prices. Fantastic advertising experiment. Thank you. I appreciate that. And in fact, it's not even the 10,000 Satoshis per sale that I make that excites me as much as it's like, I found a product that I believe in and I brought it to you and you tr- and you said, you know what? I trust the guy enough. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. And you did. That's actually every, if not more exciting, at least every bit as exciting as getting a 5% on a sale, trying to help somebody get his product out there. And I just, I don't know why I like it so much. It just, because I didn't lie, I guess, because I was able to sell something from a complete, coming from a complete ethical and honest base. And, and it works. I don't have to lie. See, that's what I was saying about the whole advertising thing, the cop, the ad copyright guy. You know, when I started thinking about doing this, I was like, yeah, but I gotta be really careful. And I found a really good first partner in Bees Nerds to be able to hook up with. And I hope we end up having a a great relationship from here on in where we can mutually respect each other, not have to lie about our products, not not me have to lie about it in advertising. And I don't think that that will happen. I really don't. But I want everything that I do to be that way because I want to be able to sleep at night. Bees Nerds with yet another 10,000 Satoshi says another Mother's Day order. Mr. Man heard it on the show. Here is your 5%, sir. Nick underscore dose with 3456 says, cheers. George underscore X underscore McKee with 2100 says, definitely claiming my zap, zap it dot live namespace. Got some pedals and music shit I'll be selling when this is a viable thing. And understand, zapid.live is not the only NIP15 enabled situation. I forgot to put up, I think it's just Nostr Marketplace. Just Google it or ask somebody on Nostr about Nostr Marketplace. It's not zapid.live. It's different. We need different implementations of NIP15. We need as many of them as we can get. I'm not locked into zapid.live. I just, it was one of the first things that I used to be able to do all this stuff. And I'll more about that later. But JC Denton with 2100 says, OOTB means out of the box. Sometimes I feel so stupid. Fatoshi with 1596 says, boost, but he does it with BST. That's what he actually wrote, BST. I'm thinking he's saying boost. Uh, Colomona with a row of sticks says, Adobe is one of the largest consumer tracking companies in the world. Adam Curry talked about it a few years back on No Agenda. It's kind of like how Amazon is the internet infrastructure powerhouse. You know, who would have thunk it? Uh, That's, I, yeah, I, it's so weird that Adobe is like that because you kind of don't see it when you're buying their products, but yeah. He's not, he's not lying. I trust him. Dubrovko with a thousand sat says, WTF is with the mempool. How is this happening with the price staying still or near still? 
Uh, let's do this other one from Dubrovko. Uh, thousand sats again. Granted, Texas needs more power generation. The large growth in population versus the smaller generation growth. That and the corruption of human nature is probably how Warren Buffett defeated the Bitcoin community in Texas. He hasn't defeated it yet. Close. And if he defeats it, the miners are going to move. And Governor Abbott is going to be left holding a very empty bag filled with empty promises to a bunch of real people. And it's not going to go well for Greg Abbott. That's the governor of Texas right now. If he does this. So he's, he, it will not be good, but they will move. This shit goes on. They'll move. And my honest opinion, move to Central America. Honduras, Nicaragua, well, maybe not Honduras and Nicaragua, not until they get their acts together, but Costa Rica, uh, El Salvador, you know, there's places you can go. There's places that actually want to do business and have a, a, a future for humanity. They do exist. You just need to go find them. And if Texas wants to be stupid, nobody can stop them. I mean, I, I lived there for 53 years of my entire, you know, all of my life, essentially except for the last nine months I lived in Texas. If Texas wants to be stupid, they're going to be stupid. If they want to be smart, they're going to do it and nobody will tell them how to live their life. That's the whole point of Texas. But yeah, if Greg Abbott allows Warren Buffett and his crew of miscreants to start running around calling the shots, you will see empty warehouses and a shit ton of moving trucks faster than you can shake a stick. Just, I'm just saying. Uh, Opzout, E-I-O-P-T-Z-O-U-T with 256, and it's a, I, I can't read it. Uh, Yigro with 210 says, trying this again. Cheers. Uh, the Wild Hustle with 100 sats says, whoop, whoop. And then I'm there with my own 100 sats because I was testing splits. So let me tell you what that was about. Um Let's see. Actually, actually, yeah, let me do that here. I had to, I had to move a tab. Sorry. <clears throat> I was just talking about zap it dot live. Yeah. I set up another, uh, I set up a, a, a test, you know, like for 10,000 sats, you could buy a 10 pack of comfrey from me. And it was just a test. I basically said, you know, on Nostra, I'm like, here, I want to make sure that this works. Can somebody throw me 10,000 sats? And the guy Swan bought the, <laughs> bought no comfrey. And he even said, he's like, don't send me any plants. I'm just doing this for fun because guy, guy swans a lot, you know, we, like me, guy swan likes to put his hands into the dirt and dig. And that's what we're doing here is we're digging. So he paid me 10,000 Satoshis for a non-existent plant on my zapit.live marketplace. Well, I only put up one plant. So this time I tried putting up multiple plants and it's like, and I put up multiple plants, but this time I noticed that they had splits in Zapit.live. So I could split my payment to, like if you were to buy like Comfrey from me, um, that payment would split between me and whatever other lightning address I so chose. Okay, so how did that go? Well, it didn't go well. Uh, I wanna make sure that I'm over here and we get to my wallet for zap it. Come on. You can do it. You can do it. It's spinning. Really now 
now it's time that you, okay, here we go, finally. So I put up a new order or a new thing in my stall for the same thing, comfrey plants that don't exist, but I put 10 of them, 10, like the ability to buy, you know, you could buy one at a time. I have a quantity of 10 total because the first time I only had a quantity of one and Guy Swan bought it. This time I had a quantity of 10 and I enabled split payments and I told everybody on Noster that all the Satoshis from this sale, 100% of the split was gonna go to OpenSats. So what did I do? I went to to Amboss and I found OpenSats uh, Lightning Node address and I dropped it into the split payment and it didn't work because this particular split payment isn't a value for value or podcasting 2.0 type thing where it combines like podcasting 2.0 takes your RSS feed and combines it with your lightning node address and combines them together so that you can get stuff out of like fountain.fm or podping or, or not podping. I can't remember what other ones like breeze wall breeze, uh, has a podcast player and you can like send me Satoshis and it would respect the splits because it's using that same hybridized RSS feed. In this, it needs to have an actual LN URL address or some other lightning wallet address. And it completely threw away my light, the uh, OpenSats lightning node address. The lightning node address is not a wallet address. It is a lightning node. Yes, you can send payments to it, but in this particular case, the zapid.live split payments feature did not accept the node address and I missed it. So I've got 3,399 sats or 3,000, well, 3,300 satoshis were given to me by people who were buying the fake plant so I could test splits. So I'm going today to give 3,300 Satoshis and send it over directly to OpenSats uh, myself. So the splits didn't work the way that I thought uh, because I screwed it up. I used an address that didn't make sense to zapit.live. Now, <clears throat> getting back to Maple Trade and Bees Nerds, well, that's the same guy, honestly. Um, we're gonna do this one. This was Sunday, May the 7th. So this was yesterday. Uh, what time did he do it? Uh, doesn't have time. He says one day left. If you want a mother's day basket ships Monday, 200,000 Satoshis, uh, two pints of my maple syrup, four buys or four bars of homemade tallow soap from my sister. Uh, last shipment tomorrow, Monday. That's today. I don't want to be responsible for your gift being late boost to help spread the word and remember if you heard about it on the bitcoin and podcast then none your business gets a boost on the fountain app of five percent for uh for what i sell today's the last day that's what i'm trying to say if you want to if you i mean we're bees nerds is thinking that after today if you don't order a basket today Chances are very good you will not end up with a gift basket for Mother's Day by Mother's Day rolling around. Okay, so this is it. This is the last day of the Mother's Day basket special. 200,000 Satoshis, two pints of handmade maple syrup, four bars of homemade tallow soap. Okay, so order that today. If you mentioned that you found it through the Bitcoin and podcast, I get 5% of every single sale. After today, I'm going to do something different for bees nerds. 
we'll figure it out from there, but today's the day. So there you go. Noster Report. Yay, the Noster Report, the flippening. May the 7th, 2023. Block height, 788-716. Moscow time, 3486. Quote of the day. Great day to plug in a miner or learn about the Lightning Network. Yeah, no shit. You think? <laughs> you think? Uh, Dergigi. Many have dubbed today as the flippening as block 788695 saw the transaction fees surpass the block subsidy of 6.25 BTC. However, other users pointed out that it's not the first time that this has occurred. As block 470189 back in 2017 also experienced a similar flippening of the fees being greater than the block reward. So yeah, I fell into that trap too. Uh, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea culpa. It was not history. History had already been made. Uh, JB55 points out the importance of opening large lightning channels during low on-chain fee periods in order to be prepared for increased fees and activity when it happens again, regardless of the reason for it. You know what would be great, guys? If I could like do a I don't know, like I'm not a trader, but like in trading parlance, a put order or a sell order or something like that, where I've pre-programmed, set aside a certain amount of Satoshis that will, and a, 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 a address of a node that I want to open a channel to, okay? And then set a, a fee rate that basically says, okay, we'll be monitoring the mempool or mempools around the world. And when fees, you know, are sustained for, I don't know, 24 hours at this particular rate X, then we will execute that trade and you will, we will open up that channel. Um, and I would love that. If any of you guys out there want to provide that as a service for like, say like a 1% fee of whatever the, uh, the channel size is, I would be high, I would already, I'd set up 10. So that the net, like if this shit happens in the middle of the night and I'm sleeping, I wake up and I got 10 cheap ass, freshly opened lightning network payment channels. That would be awesome. Please, please somebody do that. Uh, let's see here, Noster Build, I'm gonna get to this one. Oh yeah, Avi Burra, last Friday's episode. So this is at Avi Burra. Last Friday's episode of Pleb Chain Radio featuring Nunya Business is now available online. Link to episode in the notes. So Friday, I hung out with QW and Avi Burra and Corn DeLorean came down a couple of times. And there was some other people like a Renegade Butcher popped in to say hello to me. And it was really great. I really enjoyed my time over there on the Pleb Chain Radio talking with other Bitcoiners it always makes me feel good because sometimes I feel like I'm just talking to myself in a closet. If you don't get out to talk to other people, I honestly think it'll do a number on your head. Uh, yeah, okay, well then that's the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Nostra Development Kit. Build Nostra-related applications. This is from No Bullshit Bitcoin or NoBSBitcoin.com. At least a couple of Nostra Development Kits have emerged so far to aid early Nostra builders. 
Noster Development Kit, or the NDK with Gossip Style Behavior by Pablo F7Z, otherwise just known as Pablo. NDK is a Noster Development Kit that makes the experience of building Noster-related applications, whether they are relays, clients, or anything in between, better, more reliable, and overall nicer to work with than existing solutions. Besides improving the developer experience, the core goal of NDK is to improve the decentralization of Nostra via intelligent conventions and data discovery features without depending on any one central point of coordination, such as large relays or centralized search providers. And then there's a GitHub, uh, GitHub link. <clears throat> Nostra Development Kit is a library that allows you to seamlessly build cross-platform Nostra applications without worrying about the internals. NDK is based on the powerful Rust-Nostr libraries. Learn the simplest way to integrate Nostra features into any application at ndkit.com. That's ndkit.com. A third time for nobody for the people that are not listening. ndkit.com. The project includes informative step-by-step -step tutorials for beginners seeking to learn how to build applications with the Nostra protocol. Guys, he just gave it to you. Pablo just handed it to you on a platter. A tool set to use to build Nostra-based applications and tutorials. If you're just beginning on how to use the NDK, if you're not going to do this, how are you going to survive the future? I don't know. But we're going to talk about fees because we have to. Block demand leads to fee spike as Bitcoin-based meme coins flourish. Honestly, there's a whole set of dick pics. I mean, there are, you know, but it's, it's, it's such a clown show out there right now. Shara Malwa has it for Coindesk. Fees on the Bitcoin blockchain have surged to two-year highs as the Bitcoin request for comment, oh, that's what BRC stands for. Bitcoin request for comment, BRC20 tokens, and the rising popularity of the Ordinals protocol drives demand for block space. Average transaction fees on the Bitcoin network were hovering at just under $20 during European hours on Monday, a bump from last week's average $1.20 level. Such levels were previously seen in May of 2021 when Bitcoin prices set a then record peak of $60,000. The number of non-fungible tokens tied to the Bitcoin blockchain surged above $30 million last week after a one-day spike in activity that mainly consisted of text-based assets data from Dune Analytics showed. The tokens, called inscriptions, function on the Ordinals protocol. Ordinals allow users to, you know, basically screw everything up. The BRC20 token standard allows users to issue transferable tokens directly through the network, which has spurred a collection of dick pics. I mean, digital artwork and meme tokens built on Bitcoin. Data from OrdSpace, which tracks BRC20 data, show over 11,000 tokens issued on Bitcoin were available on the open market as of Monday with a cumulative market capitalization of $1.6 billion. That's how stupid humanity has a tendency to be. This is the, I call this the dumb index. Somebody please use the dumb index 
and get combine it with something else so that we can get the stupidity ratio, please. So far, tokens of ordinals, marketplace ordi, are the most valued tokens with a market cap of 220 million and 7,300 unique Ordi token holders. Ordi is said to be the first BRC20 token deployed on Bitcoin, which may also be aiding its value proposition among hodlers. It has no value proposition. Please be aware. Pepe tokens on Bitcoin, different from the ones issued on shitcoin number one, are the second largest BRC20 issuance, albeit with a relatively tinier $17 million market cap. Meanwhile, some analysts consider the rapid transactional activity as a sign of network adoption, which adds to Bitcoin's fundamental narrative. I love it. Ha! No. Quote, during the last peak in 2019, most Bitcoin transactions skewed towards larger transactions in the range of $1,000 to $10,000, said Tom Rogers, head of research at ETC Group, in an email to Coindesk. Quote, this suggests most Bitcoin users were using the blockchain for trading. Compared or compare this to today. The largest cohort of Bitcoin transactions came from transactions under a buck. This suggests a huge increase in Bitcoin velocity or the amount of Bitcoin being transacted by users instead of being locked up in cold wallets and held over the long term, Rogers added. I'm going to pause to suggest that this is why I'm seeing the median transaction value hitting stuff like 15 cents or 15 United States pennies. Maybe that number is right. Wow. Wow. While adoption has been brisk, the network congestion has briefly caused problems at crypto exchanges such as Binance, which paused Bitcoin withdrawals twice over the weekend. Now, such on-chain data shows that there are nearly 415,000 unconfirmed Bitcoin transactions at time of writing on Monday, which is higher than anything seen during the bull runs of 2018 and 2021. Well, who knows? Who knows? Uh, Let's go ahead and do that Binance thing. We'll get into it here with Cointelegraph and Anapala Pereira. Binance closes BTC withdrawals amid congestion on the Bitcoin network. God, I can't imagine why. Crypto exchange Binance closed Bitcoin withdrawals on May the 7th due to an alleged overflow of transactions on the Bitcoin network. The Bitcoin mempool was clogged with over 400,000 transactions waiting to be processed at the time of writing. The mempool is known as the waiting area for incoming transactions before they are verified independently by each node on the network. Uh, just, just a side note, we all make the mistake, even if we know better of saying the mempool, whenever anybody says the mempool, yours truly included, uh, just understand that we're talking about several thousand mempools. Okay. My node has its own, the mempool. You know, somebody like Guy Swan, he's running a a node. He's running a full Bitcoin node. He has his own mempool. In many cases, the transactions I hold in my mempool are the same transactions in his, but I guarantee you it's not 100% match between our two mempools. Please keep that in mind. Binance tweeted that BTC withdrawals had resumed after nearly an hour of being halted. 
Outflows on the exchange, crypto exchange peaked on May the 7th, rising to $187 million, according to data from CryptoQuant. Behind the congestion is it's believed to be a surge in the BRC20 transactions, and we went into that. So yeah, it got so damn bad that Binance halted withdrawals of BTC from their platform, not once, but twice. But I saw that, that like over the last, I guess over the weekend, that 187,000 BTC had been withdrawn from Binance. Okay, so are they, is it possible that they're scared of losing their Bitcoin liquidity and they're using this whole Pepe dick pic meme coin BRC20 crap that's going on as cover? for their decision to stop the outflow? I don't know, but I wouldn't put it past them. I'm just saying. Bitcoin maxis allay fears of a DOS offensive Bitcoin is not under attack. According to Martin Young, Cointelegraph, a sudden spike in Bitcoin transaction fees and unconfirmed transactions sparked concern on crypto Twitter over the weekend of a potential denial of service attack on the network. Some Bitcoin analysts and commentators have been quick to allay these fears from their respective followers. Bitcoin average transaction fees are currently about 20 bucks, according to BitInfo charts. Meanwhile, according to mempool.space, the backlog of transactions at time of writing stood at 459,000. The increased demand on the network has even caused total fees per block to temporarily exceed the block subsidy reward of 6.25 BTC on May the 7th. The proof of work mining process has set has a set block subsidy of 6.25 BTC, which halves every four years. However, in the rare instance that block space demand surges, this figure can be exceeded causing higher transaction fees. Industry analysts reported that it is the first time that this has happened since 2017. Fees of 6.76 BTC were recorded for one block and block 788695 generated fees of 6.7 BTC. <clears throat> the mempool space explorer, mempool.space explorer shows that activity has since cooled down a little and fees have fallen back down below the block reward yet again. The next block is expected to be processed, generating 4.51 BTC in fees. The surge in activity and block space demand has been attributed to the rise of ordinals and inscriptions. <laughs> According to analytics provider Glassnode, a total of 75% of Bitcoin on-chain transactions used Taproot on May the 7th, resulting in a record high. Some on crypto Twitter, however, speculated that the recent congestion, congestion has resulted from a denial of service attack on the Bitcoin network. Bitcoin analysts quickly pointed out that it was due to demand rather than a premeditated attack. Ox Fubar told his 130,000 followers, quote, Bitcoin mempool finally gets some usage and the maxis are framing it as a DOS attack on the network. They really have not considered even the most basic scenarios like Bitcoin becomes popular and people are willing to pay to use it, end quote. We'll come back to that. On May the 8th, the world's largest crypto exchange, Binance, suspended Bitcoin transactions yet again, uh, citing the large volume of pending transactions. It's the second time that it, is, it has suspended BTC in the past 12 hours. Okay, back to this 
BS. Bitcoin mempool finally gets some usage and maxis are framing it as a DOS attack. Not all maxis. I didn't think it was a DOS attack. It's just usage. So where am I in consideration with this? Nowhere. Which means this guy's talking completely out of the side of his head. Stop doing that. You know, you blame, I mean, just like you're, you blaming maxis for everything is just as bad as what you're saying about maxis blaming usage of Bitcoin as a DOS attack for. It's bullshit. And stop doing it. It's ridiculous, man. If it wasn't for Bitcoin maxis, there'd be a whole lot of people in a whole lot worse off positions than they are now. Stop it. It's ridiculous. Now, with all the fees and the congestion and the fear and the FUD and all the people saying that it's all Bitcoin maxis fault for not understanding that Bitcoin usage is what it is. We have this one out of Bitcoin Magazine from Matt Mararia, or Maria, sorry, M-A-R-A-I-A. Somebody please tell me how to pronounce that thing. The business case for implementing Bitcoin's Lightning Network. Today, companies spend egregious amounts of money on credit card fees when processing customer payments, ultimately cutting into margins that are widely scrutinized by investors and management alike. But the Lightning Network presents a new payment solution with the ability to process instantaneous payments using Bitcoin for virtually no fees. It boasts equivalent decentralized safeguards to the Bitcoin network, ultimately using Bitcoin's blockchain, which has not been hacked since its inception in 2009. While doubt among the general public about Bitcoin manifests itself in the assets price volatility, the innovative technology built on top of Bitcoin rails poses a unique opportunity for CEOs and CFOs to improve profitability. Oh boy, the C-suite suit wearing crew coming online. In fact, you can be anti-Bitcoin and still able to extract the advantages of the Lightning Network into your company's payment processes, avoiding the issues of Bitcoin price variability, also known as volatility. Excuse me. (coughs) Throat's getting just a little rough. Here are some of the biggest advantages of adopting the Lightning Network for businesses, improving margins and reducing fees. With mass layoffs circulating the market, Jesus, investors and managers understandably continue to scrutinize margins. Every dollar matters and can spell disaster without proper planning and foresight. The Lightning Network helps to alleviate these pressures by way of minimal transaction fees. On average, payments made via credit card amounts to about 3% in fees owed to intermediary financial institutions. The Lightning Network opens up the possibility to process payments at a fraction of the cost by using micropayment channels. While it is unlikely that the entire customer base will immediately transact through the Lightning Network, even transitioning 25% of credit card payments could significantly improve margins. Benefiting from consistent innovation without delving into the surprise perfluous details of how lightning operates behind the scenes, the innovations materializing in the space remain frequent. For example, Ibex Pay operates a web application service that allows merchants to create an invoice on demand, generate a QR code to be scanned by the buyer with any lightning wallet, 
and process the payment via Lightning instantaneously. Merchants can opt to receive payments based on the user-designated ratio of BTC to USD. For companies with point-of-sale terminals, Strike is developing Lightning Network compatibility for many of those while offering similar benefits to the IBEX Pay platform in both efficiency and cost-effectiveness. And most of these services do not require monthly subscription fees. Instant Settlement Another benefit of using the Lightning Network is a near-immediate settlement of funds. No longer are companies required to wait two or three business days for ACH wire transfer payments to settle to access capital via fiat rails. Intermediaries are removed with the use of the Lightning Network, permitting fast access to capital while limiting counterparty risk. A built-in customer base, and oh my God, this is important. Although customer bases are highly dependent on the goods and services offered by a company, there is a large contingent of Bitcoin supporters who prefer and often seek out vendors that operate directly or indirectly within the Bitcoin environment. Many Bitcoin advocates use websites such as btcmap.org and satmap.app to find businesses that accept Bitcoin. Given that the Lightning Network is built on top of the Bitcoin network, adopting it can provide you with an ever-growing built-in customer base that is hungry to contribute to and share the successes of businesses operating under the Bitcoin umbrella. Limitations and Risks Still, the relative infancy of the Lightning Network means there are potential limitations as well as risks. For instance, IBEX Pay currently offers a maximum $2,500 transaction size. Additionally, and as with any new technology, while the network is gaining traction, there are still potential risks with bugs and other vulnerabilities. Recent traction and popularity has helped to lessen concerns over this proof of concept, but without decades of data points to lean on, there is no guarantee issues will not emerge. Lastly, a current lack of regulatory clarity in the digital asset realm could potentially lead to more questions later. Oh yeah, they will. I guarantee it. With all that said, the Lightning Network provides companies with a competitive advantage from a financial, operational, and technological standpoint, though there are some concerns due to the relative infancy of the product in addition to existing limitations and current solutions. However, rather than standing by and suffering through the oncoming margin pressures that continue to infiltrate the economy, it's worthwhile to take action and adapt. My recommendation for business owners out there is to trial run implementing this solution for at least a small segment of your business and to build out enough of a sample size to compare to current payment processes. What's the worst case scenario here? You're not reaping the benefits outlined herein, but you are without collateral damage to your business. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I gotta do that one again. You are not reaping the benefits outlined herein, but you are without collateral damage to your business. The best, you are first mover in a technology that aims to interrupt the payment processing space, coupled with increasing margins and gaining quicker access to customer payments. The decision is yours. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. I wanna go back to a built-in customer base. I wonder, people buy soap and maple syrup all the time, you know, and I'm, I'm hooked up with Bees Nerds and I'm trying to do him right. 
I'm trying to get him some business and he's throwing me back Satoshis for doing so. But I have to ask the question, did you buy the maple syrup because I told you that it's good and the soap because I told you that it's good and you needed maple syrup and you needed soap or, or did you buy it simply because he's somebody who will take Satoshis for goods and services rendered? I want to know the answer to that. Will you please, even guys, even if you send me a boostagram because this is the best way I can think of to interact with me, especially when I'm doing the show so that I can bring it to everybody that listens. I mean, you, yes, you can tell me the answer on Noster, but even at, just give me 50 Satoshis to give me your two cents on if you bought from Bees Nerds, the Mother's Day basket, was it just because he accepted Bitcoin and you're excited about that? Or was it because you wanted the product? I would like to know because this whole built-in customer base, that's a thing. And even if you were to write back and say, well, okay, I feel bad. I, I did it just because he accepts Bitcoin. Don't feel bad. You're the built-in customer base that this dude's talking about. There's nothing to be ashamed of. There's, and there's also nothing unethical about it. When I talk about ethics, I, tr I really try to think about it. I try to bring them up. There's nothing unethical here. The fact that you have a built-in customer base right when you go to Lightning is something that should be cheered and not jeered, if you can understand the differences of those two words on this microphone. I'm just saying, it's something to look at. Businesses that, are, that start claiming their namespace, and that doesn't mean branding as much as it does mean educating yourself on how to use the spaces. That's claiming your space. It's not just your brand. It's not just your name. It's not just the products and services that you sell. It's learning how to get off of the fiat rails. That's the jump. That's the energy to claim your namespace. You don't have to risk it all. You don't have to call up MasterCard and say, you know what? I'm so excited about Lightning. I don't even know how to run it, but I'm shit canning your service as of today and I'll figure it all out later. No, don't, don't, don't do that. Continue to take Fiat Rails. Jump into learning how Lightning works and then ask yourself the questions. Do I know how it works well enough to ask the second question, is this good or potentially good for my business? Then that can lead into the third question. I'm going to test this. Just test it. That's all you got to do. 1%, 2% of your customer base, send out an email and say, I'm trying this new thing. Will you help me? If they're good customers, if they love you and they love your product, you'll find enough to help. Just do that and you won't risk the biscuit. Just saying. Voyager, <clears throat> as we move on, <clears throat> Voyager gives up finding a buyer. It's just going to liquidate after Binance deal goes bust. Uh, Matt DeSilvo, this actually occurred back on May the 5th, but we might as well just round out the show with it. Uh, Decrypt.co. Crypto broker Voyager Digital will now liquidate its assets <laughs> and sell them. 
uh, sell them to FTX US and more recently Binance US. Oh, wait, hold, like, sorry, the, this is a very poorly written paragraph. Let me try that again. Crypto broker Voyager D Digital will now liquidate its assets and sell them because the FTX US deal and more recently Binance US deal has fallen through. In a Friday filing, Voyager said that a number of digital assets on the platform that cannot be withdrawn will be liquidated and returned to customers. They include major cryptocurrencies and shitcoins like Algorand, Celo, and Avalanche. Why, why did you buy that? Stop it. Buy Bitcoin, hold Bitcoin. A number of other shitcoins on the platform will not be liquidated, but returned to customers in digital form, albeit at a recovery rate of 36%, according to the court filing. These include... Other shitcoins like Ave, shitcoin number one, shitcoin number two, and 65 other shitcoins. Holy crap, that's a lot of shitcoins. Former customers will receive some form of reimbursement soon, the failed firm said on Twitter. Quote, we're hopeful that initial distributions will begin within the next few weeks. I doubt it. <clears throat> Binance US. The sister company of crypto exchange Binance that claims to run independently, I don't know why they put that in there, walked away from a $1.3 billion restructuring deal to buy Voyager assets last week. It cited a hostile and uncertain regulatory climate in the United States. Well, duh. <laughs> so that's, that's all you need to know about that. My God almighty. Yeah, of course the uncertainty in, in the regulatory climate of the United States is a big deal, but I don't know. I'm starting to think that maybe people don't want a whole bunch of shit coins anymore. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Okay, Monday. It's joke day. They should all be joke days, but it's Monday. So we definitely need jokes for today. Dad says jokes. I ran into a lamppost yesterday. Luckily, I only sustained light injuries. I can hear the groans now. Okay, so guys, stay away from WorldCoin. I mean, if you're over there in Africa or Indonesia or wherever else these guys are throwing this silver orb around, don't do it. So if you see a guy walking around the poorest ass village that you can find, and you're one of the citizens in that poor ass village, you're just going to become more poor if you give your biometric data to Sam Altman and the people at WorldCoin. Please don't do it. Okay, there's nothing good that can come from it. They're saying that they're gonna give you free money that's bullcrap. That's no, it's not free. They will take your iris scan and that's forever. Sure, they say they delete it, but they've never offered anybody the ability to come and look to the point of all of their infrastructure and all of their coding to be able to audit the system and say, definitively that they know that they are deleting the data. Okay? 
that like they they're like trust us trust me bro we're just gonna scan your eye bro and then we're gonna give you all this bro money bro and then bro you're gonna be golden no it's a lie don't believe sam altman because i don't even believe sam altman believes in chat gpt or ai he just wants your biometry that's yours you own it don't give it away because there's no way that you can get that shit back. Sure, I get it. You're gonna have to face scan for, you know, airlines and airports and trains and bus stations eventually anyway. But if you can not have to do that, for the love of God, don't. It's biometry and it's it should be considered one of your most precious assets because it can be used to violate you in ways that you don't know. And I don't know either, so I wouldn't be able to tell you, but just understand that none of these people that want that data actually want it for the reasons they say they want it. They want it for something else, and they're not telling you that part. <sighs> Good Lord. Is there anything else to say? I guess not. You know what? I'll just see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.